Hello and welcome to the Team Guru Podcast. I'm your host, David Frizzell, and this episode, Rediscover Your Athlete Within, is an absolute ripper. We all know that as we get older, more tired to our desk or workbench, our rate of exercise, even our basic movement, plummets to scary low figures. You might notice it in the step count if you have a fancy watch. Lots of authors and speakers sing the praises of regular movement, the importance of staying fit and active through all stages of life, but none of them that I know of are approaching the challenge in quite the same way as my guest in this episode. Brett Lilly is a chiropractor, a speaker, and the author of a brand new book, Rediscover Your Athlete Within. Brett's message, I must stress, is not limited to those among us whose youth was spent in a swirl of sporting glory. It's a message for all of us. Brett encourages you and me and anyone to tap into the more active, enthusiastic, fitter, more competitive person we used to be and update that view, making it a positive relevance for us today. So we can be, in Brett's words, the best versions of ourselves right now. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Brett Lilly. Brett Lilly, welcome to the Team Guru Podcast. Thank you very much. Hey, Brett, I'm super excited to have this conversation with you today. I'm a fitness fan. I'm a sports nut. I've been doing this podcast since... 2015, and I've never come close to discussing a topic like this. We've talked a lot of times on the podcast about being healthy in all of ourself in order Mm -hmm. to be a great leader, and that obviously includes physical fitness, but your book, Rediscover Your Athlete Within, look, it hones in in a way that I could only hope to have done on this show. So thanks for coming along. Can't wait for this conversation. Now tell me, what do you mean by all of this? What is your mission in writing a book? entitled Rediscover Your Athlete Within? My mission is really simple. I want to get people moving and really just get more active again. So Rediscovering Your Athlete Within is really, it's more about diving deep and find out what makes people tick. So it's, you know, rekindling that love with movement. A lot of us, we have that growing up as kids, teenagers. We tend to get lost a little bit along the way, especially with life and the busyness of life, the seriousness of life, life, I guess all those things about responsibilities and things. And I guess a lot of it's just to help people get their mojo back. Because in so much literature that we read about personal development, professional growth, all of those kind of stuff, it it does touch so regularly on on physical fitness. It talks about being active and being healthy to ensure that our life isn't getting way out of whack and that we're not spending too much time in the office, at our desk, putting in for the man but taking care of ourselves more broadly. But yours is Mm. that on steroids. And I'm really fascinated whether you (laughs) landed on this because just telling people to be more active, telling a 50-year-old who has sat at a desk for 35 years or 30 years to be more active is kind of like shooting a handgun at a battleship, whereas (laughs) your language is about getting them to remember what they used to be when they were 15, 17, 18, 21, that person who was full of energy, who did stuff, who probably participated in a number of sports, was far more physically active than they are today. So instead of telling that person, hey, get off your chair and walk around the block three times, 
you are putting in front of them this dream to rediscover the athlete within. It just sounds so much more enticing, I imagine. Absolutely. I mean, you know, the research is a big part of it, but the research really gives you the guidelines. But rediscovering your athlete within is really, I want to know your story. I want to know about you. I want to know about your individuality, what makes you unique. And sport is a big part of that. How we learn to play sport growing up is kind of a big way of how we've learned to live life in many ways. So, you know, in one part, it's all about physicality, and that's particularly my background in rehab and chiropractic. But it also really dives into relationships, how we connect with each other, and and also, in particular, how we connect with ourselves, the relationship we have with ourselves, which is really, you know, touches on leadership and a whole range of different things, which you've covered many times already in your podcasts. I'm going to talk to you later a little bit about the type of clients that you have most success with on this journey to rediscovering the athlete within and the clients, if there is any link or similitude between them, who you don't have great success with. But let's, before we get there, let's talk about your story. What's your story, Brett? How did you come to this? What is your story with your own athlete within and at your stage of life right now? Ah, well, I'm 53 now, so I've I've hit that midlife era of my, Only just. my thinking. Yeah, you're just um, midlife. Absolutely, the, the better part of life, the absolutely. golden years. Absolutely. But I grew up beside the bush in Sydney, so you know my early years were running outdoors, up and down rocks, climbing trees, falling out of trees, and then trying to skateboard, surfing. But I played a lot of sport that had balls in it, cricket, baseball were big ones as well. And going into university, I got more interested in running, started hanging out with a lot of triathlete guys. So I really started to understand training more from an intensive point of view. But key indicators for me or key changes was in my late 20s, I had a motorbike accident and that took me into the world of chronic pain. So that started to change just my idea of just training, but start understanding really what pain really is, not just acute pain, but that kind of lingering pain that starts to, you know, Mm, starts to take over our life. And so that became a big part of the way I practiced and traveled, started studying dentistry, sleep medicine, a range of different things, looking for my own answers. And I guess that's what I took back into my practice and built the type of practice that I had was a lot more around chronic pain. But then in my 40s, you know, going through a divorce was kind of like the first door that started to change my world again. And the second door was cancer. So I um, ended up suffering colon cancer having major surgery, scarring and associations with that and having to work my way through that serious middle, you know, medical crisis, I guess. And that was almost starting from square one again on the Monopoly board. So you have an incredible angle of, of understanding to this topic. When you are speaking to clients and to, to all audiences, you, you get it. You've been there a number of times. Now, having read your book, you were actually given those horrible words, you've got about three months. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, how long ago was that? Almost 10 years ago. So that was exactly nine and a half years ago. So what, that's, I mean, how wonderful that you were able to say that. I was told I had three months to live 10 years ago, but what a harrowing experience. I'm sure there's a medical reason that doctors tell people they've got three months to live or six months to live. But it, obviously, in your case, it wasn't true. So they're walking a real tightrope, I guess, in sharing all of the information they have and, and getting their patients mentally and emotionally prepared for what they've got ahead of them. 
but at the same time, it might not be right. And you might be here in 10 years' time to tell this story. Well, that's a big, big point. I mean, you know, you get told a story like that from a surgeon, they're coming at that from a very specific angle. And they're probably the most highly qualified person specifically in that area. But, you know, medicine is a reductionist theory. So they are also looking at it from one point of view based on MRIs and, and best current knowledge. But there's also another world of that too. I was going through a whole range of stress and there were a lot of other things that I could start working on at the same time. So yes, I went through surgery, but at the same time, I was doing a whole lot of work on myself from a personal point of view, which really dives into mindfulness, you know, meditation, really thinking about my mindset and, you know, the type of person I was being, the type of person I wanted to be. So, you know, that really came down to the conversation, the way I talked to myself. It really came down to the questions, the way I, the viewpoint or the way I looked at life and, and in particular decisions I was making. So in many ways, meditation, changing stress really came about me making different decisions from that point onwards of really what I've stuck to since. Wow. Well, what, what an amazing story you have. And I'm so glad for so many reasons that you're able to shake that diagnosis and, and live on strongly for 10 years we are today, which it's an amazing story, Brett. And it must Thank give you. you a really solid platform to stand on when you're sharing your messages because you've been there. It's not easy for you to, to say this to an audience. It, it wasn't easy for you to be where you are right now because you've been through uh, chronic pain and then a very serious cancer diagnosis. That gives you a lot of street cred. It does. I mean, it's it's walking through those dark days and and overcoming those conditions. So absolutely. <laughs> And, and what is your situation now with the athlete within? Tell me, give us a, paint a picture for us of your physical life. My physical life, I have a Sydney born and bred boy. And a year and a half ago, we moved our family into Hobart, into Van Diemen's land down in Tasmania. And as part of that, I re literally rediscovered running again. Yeah. You know, as a teenager and particularly in my twenties, running was a big part of my life to keep fit, particularly going through university and early career. And we happened to land on our feet on the side of a very steep mountain. And it wasn't long before I started walking up and down that mountain, starting to have that conversation with this mountain. I had to beat this mountain. So it's very steep. And I spend four or five times a week training against that mountain. And that's a big part of what I do from a cardio point of view. But at the same point, I also train weights and a lot of stability floor work at the same time as well. And, and Breath work is also a big part of my life as well from a physicality point of view. You know, when you talk about rediscovering the athlete within and and I described it before as almost this you know enterprise bargaining of, hey, really, <laughs> we just want people to get off their butts and not sit at a computer for 16 hours a day. So that's, let's talk about the athlete within and that might spark something for you. And imagine it does because I imagine in every office block around Australia and, and all countries like us, there are people who used to do cool stuff and life has crushed them to a point where now they are they are all the statistics. They watch too much TV, they don't get enough sleep, they eat too much junk food, they're overweight and consume too much alcohol. But in that person who we might meet today and, and not think greatly of physically, they might have been a fabulous athlete when they were young or at least a very enthusiastically active person when you start talking about someone like that, do you know straight away when you've sparked that within them, those memories of how active they used to be and how it used to make them feel? 
straight away you see people light up directly. I mean, they're reconnecting with a different part of them they haven't been with for a while. So, you know, the rediscovering is just the first part of a process. It's the first step in a 10-step process. And rediscovering is really going back to those magic moments when you're in that sweet spot. And in a sense, the pro, you know, that first step is going back and tracing those clues and finding out not just the physicality, but the emotional aspects, what you were feeling, who was around you, and, you know, what words you use to describe that. And that really reconnects people with a, a deeper part. And, you know, they find their heart again. They find their soul and get back in touch with their beingness, their essence. So it's, um, it's a very fun part doing that first step as re- people reconnect. You know, um, I'm I'm your vintage, Brett. I'm I've just recently turned forty eight. A young fifty. No, I'm not quite fifty yet, <laughs> but uh, getting very close. And last year, I went to my thirtieth high school reunion, so that that mm. gives me an age. But it it still amazes me just how regularly people my age will hark back to exciting things that happened to them when they were in the first eleven, or the first fifteen, or the third fifteen, or the fourth eleven. And talk about those things that happened to school and those connections that they have mm. with people who were there. It's a beautiful thing. And that's why I think your mission is so exciting because it doesn't just ask people to get off their butt and walk for 20 minutes three times a week. It asks them to reconnect with something that lies within. And what I'm saying here is that it actually just doesn't lie that deep under the surface. It can bubble to the surface really quickly conversationally. So I bet in terms of using it as an emotional driver, it's pretty easy to get there. But this is my question, Brett. Does this mean that the people who are successful in your program are almost always people with past glories that they can lean upon? Whereas Actually those yeah. who you chat with who who were never sporty, they were thinking, hang on, I was inactive when I was 15. I was that kid who did everything they could to get out of PE. I didn't play in one sporting team at school. I have no past glories, no matter how distant to draw on. <laughs> well, I mean, being an athlete, particularly in Australia, it is part of our de- identity, and that's exactly what you're talking about, going back to that school reunion, everyone's sizing each other up where they are at the moment, but also you know, carrying that story back from when they were at school, back in those glory days. It's part of our identity, and that is always a good and a bad game. Some people have good stories. Some people have the the time I broke my bone and all those types of things that come up as well. Yeah. But also the fun stories are the people that think they've never had an athlete because we actually go back further. I mean, there is every kid that played chasings. There's every yeah. kid that played on the ch- on the swings. Every parent knows their kids drags them into that playground and you get hooked. You want to get back on that swing. You want to get back on that seesaw and give it a go and you try and do some chin-ups on the monkey bar. Everyone has that story back inside of them. So even if they didn't play weekend sport, all they did was PE at school, there's always that magic moment that starts to come back. Physicality is, is part of who we are as a human being. It's our ancestral drive. So it's there. It's just a matter of lighting it up. Hey, um, I, it makes me think, you know, when I go and pick my kids up from school or <laughs> and with them anywhere, I've got kids who are in prep, grade yep. two and grade four, and kids at that age run or skip everywhere. I mean, if, if I ask my kids to go and do something in the house, they will get up off the couch after, eventually after I've asked them seven times and they will run to their bedroom or whatever it is to get it. And I, I always think that, you know, we, we bemoan becoming overweight as middle-aged people and we bemoan our slowing metabolism. 
And there's probably certainly something to that. But there's also the fact that my kids run around everywhere. My little girl skips everywhere she goes. And sure, her metabolism's at its best as well, but it's that physical effort they put into life. And and then you fast forward 30 years when we're sitting at a desk and there's not enough hours in the day to read as many emails as we need to read and create <laughs> as many PowerPoint presentations as we need to create. And all of a sudden, the kilos stack on and we wonder why. I mean, if we look at those two extremes of when you were five and skipping everywhere compared to when you're 35 or 45 and rarely getting off your desk, I mean, there's not too much mystery there, is there? We can learn a lot from our kids. And you know, even, even if you look at some of the centenarians, their story is keeping that youthful mindset. Their mm. story is about being active. So you know, even your kids, they're probably not A-level sports people at this stage but they live an active lifestyle and that's a big part of it. So a big part of rediscovering your athlete within begins with what your definition of an athlete actually is. You know, if your definition of an athlete is an Olympian, an elite sports person, then it's going to become a very small field. No one's ever going to measure to that because you're going to put that athlete up on a pedestal. So rediscovering your athlete in really is finding your own version is what is your definition of an athlete? What is the best version that you can be? And that is also the secret to longevity. Longevity, I mean, I think even Peter Adia in his latest book, Longevity, talks about exercise as being the, the cheapest pharmaceutical drug to hidden secret to longevity. So you can turn to look at our kids as a learning lesson, but you can also flip that and say, to, how do I endure? Or how do I have good endurance? How do I live a great quality life? And what is the mindset that I need behind that? You start looking at symptoms scenarios and then you start to open your mouth up and realize you know it is keeping that youthful approach to life so when was the last time you skipped to the car from the front door yeah (laughs) let's try it tonight do you want team and leadership development programs that actually work contact team guru today so we can start the conversation hey now brent if all said and done with this If we talk about rediscovering the athlete, you get them to go through this great process. And we're going to talk about that process soon, by the way, listeners. We're going to get Brett to earn his keep and and tell us how to do it. But, you know, you go through this process. But when they're all said and done, Brett, would you be happy for 50-year-old client and the outcome is that they get off their butt and go for a walk four times a week? Would you be happy with that? And just cut to the chase and go, okay, well, if you don't want the whole big athlete thing, yeah, go for a walk three times a week. I'm happy when they tell me what their best version is, yeah, what their okay. version of an athlete is. So you'd be happy with that the research if that was say, their best here's version. Here's the minimum. Absolutely. I yeah. can give them the research and here's what the best minimum is. Mm-hmm. But that's for Mr. and Mrs. Average. And, you know, we all have different requirements. We all have different body types, different metabolisms, different thinking mindset, different identities. And, you know, I even remember a person that I had through the clinic who was a 50-year-old Macquarie Bank, I'm just remembering back, I haven't, haven't thought about him for a while. He literally came in and never moved. So his, his work was sitting when he went home. His hobby and relaxation was reading. Yeah. So he had very poor spinal strength, but he never challenged his body. So he never really experienced any particular injury or trauma. But part of the um, way in with him was he had a 13-year-old son. His 13-year-old son was very active, very physical. And the only way he ended up connecting with his son was by actually starting to learn to play baseball and throwing a ball around with him. So he then had a driver 
yeah. to start getting himself back into some shape so he could actually hang out with his 13-year-old son. His 13-year-old son wasn't interested in sitting around in the, in the home library talking Reading about books, Dad, which is yeah. kind of what his passion was. Yeah. So there was a connect there with his own son. So for me, that was him finding his athlete within. Is he ever going to run a marathon? No, nothing like that. But he is going to be need to be physically fit enough to have that relationship with his own son. Hey, that is a that great a answer. Story. That's a great story, and it's a great answer to my question. All right, hey, um, one more question before we talk through your process. I've asked a few guests this, and I ask people every now and then, just in general conversation, and no one's given me a good answer. So you've got an open, <laughs> there's the challenge. Yeah, yeah, well, it's an open field for you. The fairway's clear. Hey, so I, I live in a world. So I, I love swimming, Brett, and you know, and I train with triathletes, so I understand that world as well. I know the trail bike world that you're involved in, the trail running world, I'm sorry, that you're involved in, those adventure races. I know that down at my local cricket field and my local football field, it's bursting in the morning with big groups of exercises. I know that every swim, and I've been doing ocean swims for 20 years, every swim I go to is bigger than it was last year with more entrance than it had. They're offering more distances. It's huge. That, that world is booming, and it has been for 20, 25 years but at the same time, as a society, we are getting fatter and fatter. During that period, we became more obese than the United States of America, which is that, you know, the holy grail of unhealthy eating. How are those two things possible at the same time? The predictions that in not very long, more than half of adults in Australia will be overweight or obese, but at the same time, try and get an entry to the Noosa Triathlon. When you're talking um, populations now, I mean, you know, roughly the stats in America is 75% of Americans don't move. And Australia is going down that same way as well. But there is a majority, not, there is a minority of people too that are actually wanting to get active again, that are seeing the light of the tunnel with longevity and, and not wanting to settle for an inactive lifestyle and the consequences of that. In Australia, by the time we're 40, what is it? 50% of us are are suffering one chronic illness. By the mm. time we're 65, 80% of us are living with two chronic illnesses. Yeah. That's the majority. The majority of us have very poor physicality. The majority of us have very poor sleep habits. So we become creatures of the habit. The attractiveness of our leisure and comfort lifestyle is so much stronger, and, and that's where the majority of the population is. But there is you know, there are a few of us that are out there wanting to change those stats, but that's not where the majority of the population is. You know what? You you have just answered that better than anyone else. It's that clash between percentages and absolute numbers. So when I mm. go to a swim and I notice that it's bigger than it was 15 years earlier when I did it the first time, that's just because the numbers are growing and our, our demographic sizes are growing. But mm. it's the the percentages of people who are overweight or obese or inactive in Australia, which is on the rise. So no, that's you've done a pretty good yeah, job a, of answering that. You know, and I just game. I just wonder. I wonder where the re the reality is, and I guess the reality is in the stats, and the stats tell us that we're very unhealthy and we're very inactive. All right, great. Tell us about your process. Now, you've actually got a 10-step program, and we had a quick chat before we hit record. 10 steps is hard to get your head around for listeners. You probably won't remember those 10 steps. So Brett is going to break it into sort of three chapters for us and talk us through each of those chapters, what we should be aiming for, and maybe what are some of the traps that we might fall into and what are some of the, the real challenges of, of getting us out of our, our status quo and into this more active lifestyle. Tell us all about it, Brett. 
generally we uh, split it down into three areas. The first stage is more about understanding, which covers our first couple of chapters. Understanding is really who you are as an athlete. It's challenging your definition of what you think an athlete is. And then taking you into that rediscovery process of finding out what your athlete within is. Some of those magic moments of your past and you know some of your glory days, which is what you're talking about in the past. And so as we dive into that rediscovery, we're also wanting us to understand a little bit more about you to really what's going to change that for the long term. What's your driving processes? And a big part of that is also your deeper why. You know, why do you want to do these things? And part of what you're tapping into is why those same people at those events, they really connect to their deeper root of what their why actually is. And then we move into really the mindset, which is your perspective or how you view the world. How do you talk to yourself? What are the questions you say to yourself and what drives you to want to do these types of things? So mindset and your perspective becomes a big part of what's going to keep you hanging on and taking you through the whole process, not just now for six months, but 12 months and beyond. All right. So that's that first step. That's really that first step. Understanding. And you talked about reliving, you know, casting your mind back to the glory days, the things that you enjoyed doing and that you got a lot out of. Uh, understanding what your drivers are now, what your why is now, like the guy that you talked about earlier who wants to run mm. around with his 13-year-old son. That's a, a terrific, tangible why to understand your mindset and your current perspective. I love it. Hey, what are some of the light bulb moments people often have at this stage of the discussion? This stage of the discussion is often a lot of deep work. It's a lot of reflection. So people kind of go back into deep thought and and make connections, make associations, and and kind of come back to different parts of their life that they just haven't thought about for a long period of time, but also, you know, some of the relationships, some of the people they spent time with, some of the key turning points in their life. And, you know, when they start to share those, it really starts to open themselves up and they start to relax, feel a lot free and start to feel more alive. And, and they're starting to get more juiced about wanting to change things themselves straight away. Is that a really important part of that conversation? I'm imagining you're speaking to our, our archetype here, the, the, the midlife guy or girl who's not as active as they could be, thinking back about their glory days in soccer <laughs> or netball or baseball or whatever it was, or running or swimming, whatever it was that they did. And can they often pinpoint a moment in their life, whether it was a specific job that took them to a location or a specific relationship that was maybe a bit intense, that broke them off from their habits and then that was a sliding door moment and they've never gone back? Is that part of the process is identifying where did I stop? When did I stop being the girl who skipped to class and become this woman who sits at her desk for 12 hours a day? It is. I mean, we want to get back to you know one of those real magic moments and we want to really get in touch with what the feeling was. So what did it feel like when you hit the ball that way? Or what did it feel like when you crossed that finish line? And it's, you know, that's that turning point that we really want to find out and and really start to open that up. And that's kind of when people go deep. Yeah, I bet. That's fascinating. I love it. I, w- I would love to have that kind of conversation. I think that would be a really, really touching experience. All right. Well, tell us, that was the first sort of chapter that takes in the first few of your 10 steps. Tell us what the second of these three chapters is. The second stage is really where we start to you know, we start to essentially move into goals like what's your image? What, how do you see yourself as an 80-year-old is kind of part of that question. Mm. But really setting these goals is what's your promise? What's the promise you're going to make about the future and, and how are you going to keep that promise? So that's kind of a big part of that. And 
obviously that's going to be a big part of change. When we want to start making change, that's then when we start to move into the second section, which is about energy. If you want to start to create change, you're going to need a whole lot of energy to be able to get yourself there. That's kind of really where I use the, you know, the idea of the plane taking off to get that plane off the ground to get you to mm. change, mm. to become that athlete that you want to be. You're going to really need to hit some full throttle and, and get that little baby up into the air. So energy becomes a big part of that. And really, we talk about that energy from a dashboard where we look at energy in a different ways, not just the way you eat, but also the way you breathe, the way you sleep. The timing or circadian rhythms is a big part of that, and as well as movement. And that's why we move into that next step, which is performance. A big part of movement is how do you start to build that performance back into your life? But that also comes back to what your athlete is. Your athlete might be a marathon runner, might be some big event, but it could be just going on a holiday and, and doing a hike for three days, or it could be getting back into ballet at, at, you know, at the age of 50 and returning back to an adult ballet class. So that's where we start to move into more of what are the rituals and habits that you need to be able to put in place to become that. So how do we keep feeding that promise that you want to start to keep? How do we keep priming that so you keep coming back and and keeping that nice clarity of image of who that athlete actually is so that you know exactly you're moving in the right direction? All right. So we're thinking about this in three chunks. The first one was understanding. That's going back, reliving your glory days, trying to pinpoint your driver. What is your why? What's your current mindset and perspective? The second is the transforming phase. And that's about creating an image of yourself. How do you see yourself? And I really like how, how powerful this is. What is your promise to yourself about the future? And then you spend some time looking at energy and and where we get that and what's important in terms of the energy we need to get that plane to lift off. Have I got that right? And if so, what's what do we go to there? What's number three? Number three is really my favorite part is becoming. Who are you going to become? And, and particularly too, this is really goes a lot deeper in the sense of where does your why take you? When we go into becoming, now we're starting to really look at what's meaningful in your life, what sort of relationships do you want to develop in your life? And that's where we move into three kinds of relationships. The relationship you have with yourself, your self-image, the relationship you have with the people around you, which is a part of what I call sharing. And then the relationship you have with the bigger picture around us, the bigger part of our tribe, which is, you know, the, the bigger picture itself of who you're becoming and belonging to something. So becoming is a really cool stage where you're recognizing your progress, you know, you're maturing. It's like a tree. You're starting to develop those rings of growth and maturity, but you're also starting to move into recognizing those wins. And a big part of that is celebration, celebrating the person that you're becoming. And that's really a big destiny part of the process. Hey, if we were trying to get people to learn a new habit out of a, a state of doing nothing, that can be really hard. And we all know the difficulty in learning a new habit. But is there an easier thing going on here when you're asking someone to rediscover how they used to be? And of course, put it in perspective with their physical age and and other realities about their life. You know, the, you're creating a picture of the best version of themselves now. But is there something that's made easier because they're tapping into a, a well of energy that used to drive them and it was them, that something that they can really relate to. You're not asking them to imagine something new. 
you're just asking them to tap into something 30 years ago. Does that absolutely does, does that sort of boost the process along? Yeah, I mean, underneath a lot of it is um, is tapping into the word meaning. Mm. What does it really mean to you? What's the connection you have with that? Connection is energy. Connection is relationships. Connection is a is how I interact with the world around me. Our our proximity, our ecosystem around us. So meaning is a big part of that. And that's a, you know, there's an overarching part of changing to become a better person, a better version of yourself. But really the underlying aspect that is, what does that really mean to you? Hey, what are some of the challenges people find along the way at each of these stages, understanding, transforming and becoming? Where do you see people struggle? People who come in with a great attitude, open mindset, they want to work with you, but there are just some stumbling blocks along the way. Oh, that's an easy one. People get stuck in instant gratification. Oh, yeah. You know, they, want to, they want to be fit tomorrow. Ah, uh, yeah. You know, I went to the gym today. I looked at myself in the mirror before I went to the gym. I worked out really hard for an hour and a half. I came home. I look in the mirror again, and I look exactly the same. Like, what was the point? It's I can't see any visible difference here. You know, this isn't a, a New Year's Eve promise. So it's really taking people on the journey of understanding. It's, it's easy to overestimate what you can do in the short term. But it's, we often underestimate what we really can achieve long term. And particularly when I start talking about longevity, you know, we're having conversations about decade thinking now, not where are you going to be in six months time or a year's time. You know, that conversation for me begins where are you going to be in three years time and 10 years time. So you're really shifting or working towards shifting, helping people shift their perspective in a bigger way. And that, that comes down to the underlying part of meaning. And pushing on, you know, what's possible? Who can they become? One of the biggest stories that really influenced me even just happened a couple of years ago when I was hanging out with um, one of my mentors, Professor Stuart McGill, an incredible, well-known person in the, in the, the field of back pain. And he, at the age of 78, was in Australia giving his, not final presentation, but his retiring presentation at the age of 78. And we were spending a bit of time at lunch between um, his lectures and presentations and he turns around and we're having this conversation. He says, I'm fitter and stronger now at the age of 78 than when I was at 50 years of age. And I was just looking at him going, that's impossible. How could you at 78 be fitter and stronger? And, you know, I know that when he was 50, he was training with some of America's top weightlifters because these are the guys who was also researching in regards to back pain and how what's the best way to lift a massive heavy weight. So, you know, he has some serious training and he's a performance guy to a T. But, you know, one of the things he was talking about was starting to understand how to use recovery better. Yeah. So a lot of us often know how to train hard to build the, the weight up, to build the strength up, to build our cardio up. But a lot of us don't really understand how to use recovery. We think recovery is taking a it's day not off. not going to the gym. Yeah, I'll just take a day off and not go to the gym. Whereas it's recovery is changing gears and using your body in a different way. So recovery and mindset was two big things I took away from that conversation that day. Hey, uh, second last question, Brett. There must be some stories that pop into your head that give you enormous personal and professional satisfaction, people you've worked with through this process. Give us an insight to one or two of your, your most heartwarming stories. Oh, look, one of them is at the, the beginning of the book. That's kind of really where we open the book. But there's also another story of a lady that came through my clinic. It's a very long story. I'll cut it short, but she nursed her husband back in England through five years of cancer and he finally passed away. And in the village, it was very hard for her to live because everyone knew her husband, everyone knew her. 
And it was always reminders everywhere she went. So she went to a company and they were able to move her to a position in Sydney. She came to Sydney to start a new life, start again at the age of, I think she was 50 or almost 50. You know, that age keeps popping up in this conversation, doesn't yeah. it? But she was here a it couple might be of our weeks. Bias, and <laughs> she was here a couple of weeks and she ran into her, an old boyfriend, her first major boyfriend when she was 17 or 18 at some random nightclub in Sydney. And she didn't want to go meet him again. He, he was like, well, why did we break up? Where did it stop? How did it go wrong? You know, we were so young and all of the stories came out. Her 25-year-old son said, mom, go meet him, go date him. So she did. And she was way overweight, way in a lot of pain, which is why I met her through the clinic. But um, through him, she found a passion again. She found an enjoyment and his job moved him to New Zealand. So it all of a sudden got really serious. I think after six months in, a year in, do I at the age of 50 follow this guy, my boyfriend, my early yeah. boyfriend to yeah. New Zealand? <laughs> like, what am I doing? Am I being a little kid again? Yeah. And the answer was, yeah. Fantastic. Go chase your dream. Yeah. So she went and chased her dream and, and, you know, we set her up and she moved to New Zealand and, and I hadn't heard from her for, I think it was literally 12 months when she sent me an SMS when she was walking and, you know, as a kid, she used to run five kilometers, go dance club, you know, clubbing every, you know, every weekend, dancing to all hours of the night. And she sent me this wonderful SMS with her, with photos, hiking, canoeing, and still hanging out with this early, you know, this young man of hers, this, you know, and she was living her, her youthful dreams again as a, as a midlife person. And I, a teenage I brings the tears to my eyes hearing such a wonderful story of her finding her own athlete within, but also find a relationship, rekindling a relationship of, of her early life. And I think the two of them keep talking to each other saying, why did we break up? Yeah. Wow. Uh, they were just young. <laughs> <laughs> what a great story. All right. Now, Brett, last question. There are people who are listening to this. They love your message. The whole rediscovering your athlete within, it speaks to all of us. What is your final piece of advice for someone who knows they need to get moving in this direction and you just they just need something, a little push from you? You don't really need a big push from me or even a little push from me. You need to just go into your own self, into your own mind and, and find out really what your version is. We all have that inside of us. We all see ourselves as a better version. And then tapping into that is finding what, where the meaning is. What's important to you? What's your purpose in life? But tapping into that meaning of what means the most to you. And at the end of the day, a lot of what means the most to us is really the relationships we have with the people around us. But also that really begins with the relationship we have with ourselves, And that is really rediscovering your actual athlete within that better version yourself is finding really what it is within. That's a really nice place to leave it. Brett Lilly, look, mate, I look forward to our conversation tonight and you haven't disappointed me. I love your topic. It was great to chat to you. Great chatting with you. Thank you very much, David. And that was Brett Lilly. You might have picked up on my enthusiasm for that conversation. I loved it. I love what Brett's about and the strength of his message. We all know the awful stats that harass those of us nearing or inhabiting middle age. We move too little, we sit for too long, we don't sleep enough, and we eat and drink too much of the bad stuff. 
Brett's message isn't that we should stop doing the naughty stuff, get off our chair and move a little. His message is much grander than that. Brett wants us to tap into the athlete we used to be, to ponder it maturely and use it as an inspiration to imagine a new self. There are 10 steps to Brett's program. We didn't go over each of them in our conversation, but you can find them in his book, links on my webpage, and you can read them in the show notes for this episode. But during our chat, Brett did break his program into three chapters. Number one, understanding. Cast your mind back to your glory days. Maybe you were an active, enthusiastic athlete, or maybe you were just more active and energetic than you are right now. Tap into your mindset from those days. Get some perspective. Think about your why. Number two is transforming. What is your image of yourself? What promise are you making to yourself about the future? The future of you. And it's in this phase that we must pay attention to our energy levels, diet, rest, and mindset. And finally, number three, becoming. Who are you to become? Where does your why take you? Think about your relationships with yourself, the people around you, and your larger tribe. As always, I'll share the lessons I took from my conversation with Brett on the Lessons Learned page for this podcast. You'll find it along with the entire back catalogue of Team Guru podcasts on our website. That's teamswithans.guru forward slash podcast. And don't forget to check out my new project, yourstorypod.com.au and get in touch if there's someone you care about who should tell their life story. This is David Frizzell for Team Guru. Bye for now.